From Jordan-Hare Stadium to Auburn Arena. From the Plains to the recruiting trail and all points in between. If it's Auburn, we've got it covered. Did I say War Eagle or War Eagle? That's it? War Eagle. This is the Auburn Undercover Podcast with Brandon Marcello. Hey everybody, I'm Brandon. We're going roundtable style with the first game of the season, of course. Philip Marshall, Ronnie Sanders are joining me here on the Auburn Undercover Podcast. Guys, game day is almost here, finally. Um, We've been talking this game to death and writing about it to death, but obviously the the big news going into this one, obviously, is just true freshman Bo Nix starting at quarterback for Auburn. Uh, I don't think there's anybody out there that's more knowledgeable about the Knicks family um, and been, has been able to cover them than Phillip. And Phillip, um, you know, it wasn't a surprise that Bo won the starting job, but still, going into a game like this, it's quite the story, isn't it? It is. I mean, and, and uh, it's uh, that's a pretty, pretty, pretty big, pretty big stage to start your to start your college career on for sure. And uh, I. I, I personally don't think that that will be a big factor. I don't think he'll be bothered a lot by that. But, uh, uh, you know, is he, is he Jake Fromm or, or somebody like that? Or is he, uh, or is he a freshman that's going to be uns- unsure? Uh, who knows? Uh, it's going to be fun to watch and see. I mean, you look at, obviously, he's not your typical freshman. I think we all know that because he's practically been coached by a college offensive coordinator his entire life. Um, and not only that, it's his father um, being Pat Nix. And what he did in high school, breaking all those records, uh, pretty much owning every accolade you could think of. Um, I thought it was interesting. About a year ago, Pat Nix, it's one of the only handful of times I've ever talked to him, but he, he talked about, the idea of his son maybe being a starter at Auburn sooner than later. And he said that he didn't believe the pressure would ever get to him because that's all he's done his entire life was prepare him for pressure situations and how to handle them and pressures. What's actually what he welcomes in his life. That's what makes him play better. Um, which is a, you know, not an interesting approach, not necessarily, you know, unique in any way, but it's one that, um, as you said, Bo's been prepped for this. It's just a matter to see how he goes out there and, and reacts because a lot of people just think true freshman goes out there. Guy's going to throw an interception at some point, And he probably is going to against Oregon. Yeah, probably so. But the quite the, the big thing for him is how does he respond right. after he makes a mistake? No question. No question about it. And that's true of anybody, but it's particularly true of a young guy like that. And, uh, uh, but he's, I, I would imagine he's, he's prepared for that. Gus has made it pretty clear that he's not going to have a quick hook. He's not going to say you threw an interception. Now we're going to try somebody else. Uh, uh, I think they're committed to him though, though, as we've discussed at length, I think Joey Gatewood will, will have a role, whatever that role is. And, uh, uh, but, uh, but nevertheless, I mean, you haven't, he hasn't experienced whoever you are, any freshman, whether it's. Whether it's uh, Trevor Lawrence or Bo Nix, when you go out there the first time, you haven't experienced game speed before in a college football game. Which coaches try really hard to emulate it in practice, but you really can't. Uh, 
and uh, and and they're going to try to make him think that he's seeing things that he's not really seeing. And there probably be times in the game I would imagine when they're successful doing that. But uh, it's going to be interesting. You know, Gus is uh, as when we were talking to him after the press conference Tuesday, talking about they were going to do things he was comfortable with, and if he wasn't comfortable then uh, with something, then they weren't. It wasn't going to be on the plan, which is smart. But at the same time, you, you got to have enough in the plan to win the game. So uh, uh, it, it, I, I don't believe they can just line up and run the ball at will on Oregon. I, I could be wrong. I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm conflicted and confused about Oregon. I don't really know what what I think about Oregon, whether they're really, really good or yeah or not or what. I don't know. So I think it's very important either way for Bo and for Auburn to win the game. For Auburn to be able to establish that they can run the ball, I don't believe there's any doubt that's important. Yeah, to take some of the pressure off him, and I think Brandon hit hit the nail on the head. And that you know he's been coached by by a college offensive coordinator his entire life, and right? So you know I think that that makes him a little bit different than you know a lot of other, a lot of other freshmen. As far as Oregon goes, you know the the quarterback's really good. I don't know about you know, I think Auburn is more talented across the board, but um, you know, the, having a senior quarterback that's a Heisman Trophy candidate certainly helps your chances if you're Oregon. No question. One interesting thing about Bo that, that Gus had talked about earlier during during camp <coughs> is that he was talking about a specific play that they run, run and, that Bo, and that Bo just, the very first time he did it, uh, was basically the execution was perfect. And, and he complimented him for it. And Bo told him, said, look, Coach, I've been running that play since I was in eighth grade. Uh, because he because he was planning on being Auburn's quarterback, and that was a play that they ran frequently, and he, he practiced it on his own. And like you say, having, having they've all got private co- quarterback coaches now. Anybody with a legitimate chance to start is going to be an early enrollee usually. Uh, so they go through spring practice, and in Bo's case, his private coach is his daddy, who is. Been a college offense coordinator at two big time places, and uh, so you have to figure that he is better prepared than than a lot of guys might be. You know, what's interesting is uh, we're we're in, in an era now with Auburn football where you know Bo Nix grew up idolizing Cam Newton and Nick Marshall. Right, um, <laughs> tell me about it. <laughs> isn't that crazy? I mean, even for someone like me who's only, I mean, I'm only 35, but it's like, we just covered Nick Marshall. It feels like just yesterday. (laughs) And Bo Nix is like, that was my, that was one of my favorite quarterbacks in Auburn history. And Pat Nix mentioned this on the radio uh, earlier Thursday about how, you know, he said that, yeah, him and his son, they talked about his playing days and stuff, but he didn't really want to watch film on him all that much. He wanted to watch film on Cam Newton and Nick Marshall and the other quarterbacks that were out there, uh, Reggie Ball, because that's who he could see currently, and that's the way football was going. He didn't want to see what his dad was doing back in the early to mid-90s, which I I thought was interesting. But, you know, Bo, as as we mentioned, the guy was built for this. He was bred for it. I mean, there's a picture floating out there. I'm sure everybody could find it of Bo Nix celebrating. He ran down to the front row uh, at the BCS National Championship game in January 2011, and Darren Bates jumped up in the crowd, and and Bo Nix ran down to go celebrate with them, and he's wearing a Cam Newton jersey, and 
looks looks the looks the part of a uh, I guess a ten year old, year old, ten year old. Yeah, I mean, and you look at that and you go, oh my goodness, was it really that long ago that he's a you know child child? That was a sobering sobering sight for me. I thought that game was just a little while ago. (laughs) Wasn't that long ago? (laughs) I mean, and here's the thing. I think uh, I I don't want to get too deep into this, but like. HD technology with TVs and stuff have been around since about that time. So everything looks the same from then till now, as far as clarity. So when you see something in that high clarity, you're like, Oh my, that, that was yesterday. That, that wasn't, you know, 20 years yep. ago in standard definition or whatever. So it's weird. Um, so anyway, Ron, you were talking a little bit about Oregon and, and Philip, you said like, I, I don't quite know what to make of them. I don't know what to make of them because it seems like everybody I've talked to that covers Oregon and all these shows I've done and everybody I've talked to to just try to get an idea of what they are. They're just like, yeah, they got a really good guy. He's a sophomore. They got a really good guy. He's a sophomore. They got a really good freshman. They're believing that's going to be really good this year. All I keep hearing is youth everywhere, but the offensive line and that quarterback. And they were at a receiving core that last year, dropped 52 passes, including eight touchdowns. Now, they brought in some new guys. They've got some talented youngsters that have come up, but three of them are hurt. They're not going to play in this game, it looks like. And now they're back to using some of the guys that were dropping passes last year with this Heisman Trophy candidate quarterback. So not even the coaches, I've been told, or the players there really know what to expect with the passing game going into this one. So, gentlemen, I ask this, is Oregon, are, are, am I, because I've, I've picked Oregon to win, and so have others, are we, is Oregon overrated? I know, that, I know that sounds weird, I mean, listen, it's preseason, <laughs> they haven't played a game, but everything I keep hearing is like, I, I, how are we ranking this team near the top 10 with all these weaknesses I keep hearing? I just think the difference for me is, is Herbert, um, you know, I, I think that. You know, I think, as I said before, I think Auburn's more talented across the board, but I think the difference, um, I really think the game's going to come down to Bo Nix um, and, and and Justin Herbert. Can they, you know, senior versus senior versus true freshman? I just think there's a, there's a huge difference in the, in the level of play, but, you know, Bo Nix is not your typical freshman either. So, um, you know, and as you say, Brandon, I mean, they've got some, they've got some issues at receiver as well. So, um yeah, and I'm not sure how, how good the Pac-12 is. Oregon had a pretty good year last year, but you look at some of the teams they played, they just weren't very good. And they had some stinkers of right. losses. The Arizona loss particularly uh, was flabbergasting in a lot of ways last season. Yep. Um, and that offensive line, I mean, it, it returns all the starters. Uh, two guys were thinking about going to the NFL, came back. Um, I, I had a beat writer friend of mine telling me, he goes, who's really into advanced statistics. So, Philip, I know you probably don't want to hear that, uh, telling me that Auburn performed better in most advanced statistics compared to Oregon's offensive line last year, and Auburn's offensive line wasn't great last year. So there's this question of why are they great? I think they are looked at as great because, one, they got a great quarterback, and, two, those two running backs they've got, C.J. Verdell leading them, uh, they're phenomenal. I think they're phenomenal runners, and I think they're getting overlooked quite a bit in this game going into it. I think they 
will be a big key to how far Oregon goes, not just this season, but in this game as well, obviously, because if they can't run and you put all the pressure on Herbert, Auburn's going to tee off on them. Oh, yeah. That, that, I think no establishing the running game is, is just as important for them as it is for Auburn. And and I agree the quarterbacks are, are key, but my opinion is the biggest part of the, biggest part of the game is going to be on the line of scrimmage. Uh, uh, and, you know, does Auburn's defense play like it's like it's uh, reputed to be? Or uh, does Oregon's offensive line play like it's reputed to be? And probably at times they will and times they won't both ways. But, uh, you know, obviously the same old thing. You can't turn the ball over uh, a lot and, and those kinds of things. But I, I just I, – nothing that happens will surprise me. There's no question that – when you the quarterback matchup uh, would uh, would seem to favor Oregon. I mean that's, uh, but then people tell me so. Well, look at look at at his season and uh, and a lot of his production came against uh, uh, overmatched teams, and they got they scored seven. The last game he played, they scored seven points. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what to yeah, expect. Th- that's the thing. That's like I don't. I don't know either. No one knows. No one knows in season openers really, and particularly like we're, we mentioned, like an Oregon team that was so up and down last season. But and then Auburn, they got a new quarterback. They got their defense practically back, and they feel good about it. Um, but by the way, I know we're going all over the board here, Philip and and Ronnie. I, I want your takes on this. What do you think of? Uh, of Kevin Steele, Auburn's defensive coordinator, moving to the field. Um, I know this was something that was brought up in the offseason by Gus, and uh, you know he went along with it, and now it's official. It's going to happen. Um, he he hasn't. I don't. I, he's obviously coached on the field before, but he hasn't coached on the field. I think since his Clemson days. Does that affect things positively, negatively? I mean, obviously we're not coaches right now, but. Ha- How's that going to affect things? Because things seem to be working pretty well with them in the box the last few years. Well, I think it's a it's a mixed bag. I mean, when you're in the when you're in the box, you can see things better. So if you're on the sidelines, you've got to have somebody in the box who can really tell you what's going on. Um, but if you're on the sideline, you can also kind of get the players' faces and kind of kind of have a better feel for the game. So I think it's kind of a I think it's a mixed bag. Um, but if you've got somebody you can trust in in the box, then uh, that makes it a heck of a lot easier. I guess the thing that confuses me about it a little bit, and uh, when 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 Gus said Tuesday that, well, it was basically a mutual decision. That usually means that's what the head coach wanted. Uh, uh, it's what the head coach wanted, and I just don't really see why it matters to him. Uh, yeah, I mean he's I, not going—he's not, he's not going to get involved in the defense. So I. I but uh, a little confusing to me, to be honest with you. Wait, maybe there's a conspiracy theory here, Philip. He was meddling <laughs> with Gus was meddling with the offense. And now they can't meddle with that. He's going to meddle with the defense, and he's got to have Kevin down there to do it. Um, I'm yeah, if he started it, meddling with the defense, he would end up with the defense because I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> I think we would see a fight. There would yeah. be there would be sparring. Um, <laughs> No, but yeah, I'm with you. I think this was a head coach decision that was brought up at first uh, by Gus Malzahn watching Kevin Steele. Because Kevin, obviously, he's not coaching in the box during practices and and scrimmages, for that matter. He's usually on the sidelines 
doing that stuff even during the scrimmages in the spring. And Gus, I was told, really liked what he was seeing and liked the how he interacted with the players, and he thought it would help them in their demeanor uh, when things got tough in, in the games. And Kevin's just kind of like, sure, you know, I'm a vet. I've been doing this for 30-plus years, you know, as a coordinator. Sure, I'll, I'll stay on the field for you. So be it, it just be, it'll be interesting to watch over the over the season. Sure will it, be. It, it could be one of those situations where they, they struggle with it, and then he just says, I'm moving back to the box. But Marcus Woodson's going to be in the box, his eyes in the sky, so to speak. Marcus was up there last year, um, I believe, actually. He was kind of sitting next to him there. So they obviously already have that communication going anyway in the box, so he'll be his eyes in the sky. Um, so, um, okay, so this Oregon team – we haven't talked about their defense very much. In fact, no one really has other than that Thibodeau guy. Who's kind of an edge pass rusher, you know, freshman (coughs) yet again, another young guy that they've really been high on, but he's a young guy. Um, Auburn, of course, they want to get the run game going. They want to keep Bo Nix in a safe place, so to speak. But I see an opportunity here for Auburn to take advantage of some things against Oregon secondary because they're still trying to figure out some position battles there and they don't necessarily have elite talent back there. Yeah, that's uh, and I wonder about their defensive line. I mean, Thibodeau might well as a freshman be able to, uh, to uh, cause a problem rushing the passer, but it's, it's kind of hard to imagine that he's going to create much havoc in, in, in any other way besides that. And, uh, uh, I, if Auburn can run the ball, then obviously that's going to help Bo Nix. And, uh, and I, I just, like you said, I haven't heard much about their defense. They got a new defensive coordinator and that there has to be, there has to be some kind of, uh, you would think some kind of, of, uh, learning curve on that in a game for the first time. And, uh, uh, Especially taking over for such an established guy as, uh, as Jim Levitt. Right. The thing didn't end very, very well uh, between Cristobal and Levitt. But uh, from what I understand, the players the players really played hard for it. Yeah. Yeah. So. What, ha- what, happened, what happened there, Ronnie? I was wondering about that. Um, they just, you know, Levitt thought he deserved the job. And um, they gotcha. kind of got crossways right after that happened, right after Cristobal got the job. And it just kind of went downhill from there, from what I understand. And so he is up at Ole Miss. Which no, that's doesn't... Mike McIntyre. Mike, that's Mike, right. Mike, I'm confused. Colorado. I'm confused. Yeah, Colorado. You're right. Yeah. You're confused. I'm confused. I'm yeah, a dummy. Um, uh, Andy Avalos uh, from Boise State is now the defensive coordinator there. Um, you know, Auburn's watched some film on, on Boise State more so, or not more so, but uh, as much so as, as Oregon to get an idea for his defense. And the feeling is that he's going to mix things up quite a bit, like he did at Boise State. Though he runs, he runs some three-man fronts, um, which is becoming more commonplace now as teams run more spread and all that. But um, what are the challenges going into a game like this, where you're facing off against a coordinator for the first time? One, but two, he's working with different personnel as a first-year coordinator. That always makes things interesting. Ronnie, you natural that the best of anybody, any of us probably. <laughs> well, I, I don't know about that, but you know, I, I think that you know, going into the game, um, it's it's always hard when you have a new coordinator and it's your first game and you didn't recruit those guys. And so 
you know, they may not fit exactly what you want to do. So you kind of got to kind of like anything else, you've got to do what they can do. Um, you know, I, I think the big thing is, you know, Oregon may be pretty good on the defensive line, but I, I bet that they're not as good as, as uh, a lot of the guys at Auburn sees uh, in the SEC. I just, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that they're not. So, um, as I said earlier, I think Auburn's more talented across the board, but um, it's going to be interesting to watch. It's going to be really interesting to watch. They'll never say it, but I'll bet, I'll bet Cristobal and Gus Malzahn both would uh, just assume their athletic directors had kept their big ideas to themselves and they were playing Tulane this week. Uh, it's true. I agree. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> uh, but uh, it's going to be really interesting. I, you know, I, I, don't, I, I won't be shocked either way. I really won't. And uh, I hadn't, even, I haven't even made my pick yet. So, but uh, because it's just like you say, Ronnie. I think if if the quarterback matchup was different, I would think Auburn was at a significant advantage. Just, by, and I could be wrong about that, but that's what I would think. But big time Heisman Trophy candidate quarterback, freshman quarterback. Uh, I would say in Vegas, they would say that's a definite big advantage to, uh, to Oregon, but at the same time, Auburn's still favored. So, yeah. And Auburn's been favored, you know, ever since they released the early lines and it hasn't budged much, which, uh, you know, you know, the money makers, the movers, they start moving that money toward Oregon. Obviously things start shaking, but it, it hasn't changed much. So there's, there's a lot of confidence in Auburn in this game among, the people who make money on that stuff. So um, it's interesting to to watch just how this has been unfolding, even off the field going into this season. Right. And I also something else, and I saw you alluded to it, uh, Brandon, in your, in, in your piece about all, the confidence at Auburn. I, and I, I get the same vibe that they, uh, that they are really quite confident about this game. Uh, I mean, nobody has said, Hey, we're just better than them. When we're going to go kick their butt. But, but I, I think they think they're better. Does that make sense? Yeah. I think they yeah. think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that from talking to people. I, you know, I've, I think that they believe that if, if Bo doesn't go out there and make like crucial, crucial mistakes, mistakes that lead to touchdowns for the other team, right? That, that, that they should win. That's how they feel in that building. That's how confident they feel about the talent, their game plan on offense and defense. Um, but we'll see every team throws something new out there. That's what makes college football great. You know, there might be a player that steps up and we might see the budding of a new star at Auburn yeah. or at, or Oregon. at Oregon uh, right. on their defense. You just never know. You know, one thing that hasn't been talked about much is, is Cristobal and Kevin Steele are buds. Yes. Yep. Uh, and, uh, uh, of course it's hard to get too much to talk about it no more than we get to talk to them. But, uh, uh, that, that's, don't know if that has a lot to do with it. I think uh, I did notice what Chris Ball said the other day. He said, well, some coordinators, you know, kind of what they're likely to call in certain situations. And I thought, then, is he talking about Kevin? And uh, but so that could be interesting, too, because they, you know, they do know each other pretty well. Uh, oh, yeah. And know, know what maybe tendencies are or how they think. So. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be great if we could talk to Kevin Steele. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> to talk about that well, media, media availability has been has been pretty uh pretty tight at, at Oregon as well they've, they've they've pretty much cut us off cut us off there too right. yeah it's i heard that the world these days yeah 
I heard that they were pretty open in preseason camp, and then this yep. week it's just been you know dead silence. It's like, nope, you're not yep. getting this, not getting that. Yeah, um, it all changes when it's game time, and a coach goes, "Oh, wait." Um, for some reason, I think I could lose this game if someone talks. Yeah. Um, oh, there's a long, <laughs> there's a long history of that of games being lost because because yeah. players yeah. get interviewed. Yes. I, I would really like, I, I know this is so silly, but I'd really love to read a story someday about like tracing back, like when this started to happen, even though, even the smallest of cutbacks and like, and talking to those coaches and be like, why did you do it? And then the next coach, why did you do it? And then so on and so forth to where it's just, it was escalation of just paranoia. Yep. How that how that came to be? It's crazy. I think uh, the simple answer is as the salaries rise, the yep. paranoia rises. Yeah, and, you know, and, and assistant coaches in the NFL don't talk to the, to right. the media. So yep. uh, now players in the NFL are wide open. I mean, locker rooms open, but that's that's a league rule. So there's nothing they can do about it. I'm sure if they could, they would. Uh, but uh, but the whole I, I just think it's that's a whole other story. But I. I just think it's a shame, and uh, uh, that that these guys don't get more of an opportunity to. Uh, it, in a lot of ways, it's an educational opportunity, and uh, but it's not that way anymore because everybody's afraid somebody will say something. And I've been doing this for half a century almost, and I've never seen a game that I thought what some player said before the game had anything whatsoever to do with the outcome of the game. Okay, picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You know, we talk about motivation and all that type of stuff. And then coaches will say, you can only say so much before a game that gets them pumped up. And then that wears off, you know, after like five plays because they got, (laughs) they have other things to worry about. So, yeah, well, I mean, to to me, to say that let's just, and, and, and I haven't heard anything outlandish said from either side, but let's just say you did. I mean, so is that going to make somebody in Auburn play harder? Because if, if that's the case, it, then that says to me, if it hadn't happened, they weren't going to play as hard as they could. I mean, this is a <laughs> yeah. huge game. I, I think that I don't think anybody has to find extra motivation to be excited about playing it. I wouldn't think. 
You wouldn't no, think I would so. Agree completely. I mean, you know, you don't you don't need a lot to uh, you don't need a lot of outside factors to get fired up for this game. No, I mean it's uh, it's uh, heck, you win a couple of games, you might be in Kirk Herbstreit's top four, and that's right. Second week in September. <laughs> that's all the motivation you need. I'm first, Kirk Herbstreit's top four. Um, uh, but um, so Ronnie, th- this is this is a rarity, guys. Ronnie, he runs, he's publisher here on the Auburn site and publisher with the Oregon site and the 24 seven sports network. So he's torn between two teams. I not really, but, um, when you, when you're talking to your guys up in Oregon, what's the feel for this game for, for Oregon? Is this like a type of game where it's, you win it, you're in the college football race and you lose it. Then you're probably already out of the college football race because no matter what you do in the PAC 12, it doesn't matter. I, I guess explain it to us for us, uh, knuckleheads in the SEC. Yeah, you know, I think so. I mean, the, the Pac-12 has been so weak, you know, the, the, even if Oregon wins out the rest of its games, um, you know, you, you, you had a you had a big test at the beginning of the year that you failed if you end up losing to Auburn. So um, I, I think the, the feeling out there is there's, there's cautious optimism. They feel like with a senior quarterback that they've really got a chance to, to, to win the game. Um, I, I think there's some trepidation in that, you know, uh, it's a Auburn's a tough first draw, um, and and they saw what happened against Washington last year, and um, so it, it's 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 uh, it, it's been fun to watch this week. Uh, I think there's more just being around both schools. It, there's there's more confidence at Auburn than there is at Oregon as far as who's going to win the game. Uh, there, there seems to be more confidence coming from Auburn than than, uh, than Oregon. Yeah, I think it's really bigger for Oregon because. If Auburn was to lose to Oregon and went out, then they would still clearly be in the playoff. And uh, uh, but at the same time, if Auburn loses, that's one loss. And when you look at at what's ahead of them, to win out would be a historic accomplishment. Uh, so I, 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 but personally, I hate I hate the. I hate the the uh, that college football playoff implications are so much a part of the, of the national conversation, and it's still August. I mean, it's uh, I th- I, th- I think, and I may, I'm probably in the minority that it's that it would hurt the regular season less if you had more teams, because there would be more teams still in the conversation longer. Because uh, as it is now, you get November and and. Everybody but five or six teams is pretty much irrelevant. What we need to do is we need to get rid of preseason polls and wait till like the third, fourth week of the season before there's any type of poll released. Um, I think that would quiet that stuff down considerably and allow for teams to, one, prove themselves before you go out there and and rank them. Because as polls work, you we all know this, you know, you're in the top five and you lose a game, you know, you're not necessarily out of the top 25 automatically. You drop a little bit, you know, but as we see every year, there's always a team in the top 10 that's not ranked at the end of the year. They're just not good, but they stay in the top 25 longer because of where they were early in the season right. or in the preseason polls. So I they got to get rid of the preseason polls, in my opinion, and start doing the AP and coaches polls like the third week of the season or the. I would say the last after the last Saturday in September, 
um, that's when you do your first polls because yes, there will still be conversations about, well, this big game be the deciding factor and knock this team out or whatever, but I think it would be lessened considerably because what if, you know, a team surprises in the SEC and all of a sudden that first poll comes out and they're number four in the nation or whatever, and it's not the college football playoff poll, but they're number four in the nation, and then all of a sudden you beat them, that gets you back in the playoff race. Whereas if you had them in the preseason poll unranked, they maybe would have been like number nine or number 10 instead of like number four. So I let these teams play a few games before we start ranking them. That's, that's what I think. I think I'd be good, but I mean, that, and they could probably, they could pressure the coaches to, to do it that way, but I'm not sure the AP who does it for the same reason. Lots of people in the media business do stuff to get people yeah. to, 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 to look at it. Uh, I'm not sure they'd go along with that. And I don't know how you, I don't know how you could make them. Yeah, and the other thing is, you know, that if like both those polls decided, hey, let's do that, that someone else would step in with a yeah, new poll. Exactly. You just exactly. know it. Yeah. Um, yeah, whatever. Uh <laughs> <laughs> it's uh it's it's difficult to believe that Auburn is really playing the biggest game of the opening week for a second season in a row. To me though, I don't know why, but this game seems bigger than the Washington game. Oh, I agree. I agree. And I, and I don't, I don't know really know why either, but it definitely, it definitely seems bigger, uh, um, to me. And, uh, I guess maybe the whole quarterback thing, the whole, uh, and this really is a neutral site, uh, long way away for both, for both teams. Uh, and, and there's not many, there's not a whole lot else other guys of great intrigue out there. I mean, uh, I mean, this Alabama Duke. That's, uh, I mean, I love David Cutcliffe, but he's going to have a bad night in Atlanta. So, uh, uh, I get, but it does seem bigger. I agree. It seems, it seems really big. And I think from Auburn's standpoint, partly because again, you got to go on the road three times to, to face at least current teams currently ranked in the top 11 or 12. And uh, and then you got to play Georgia and Alabama at home, and so you know if you if if you can win, you better win because there's probably going to come a Saturday where you can't. I also I also just think I mean you know even as Gus said says it seems like he's on the hot seat for the last six years, oh, yeah. and this year I mean I don't think there's any arguing. I mean he has a bad season, he's going to be out. Um, he knows that he has said that, um, in so many words, um, I don't think losing to Oregon certainly puts him directly on the hot seat immediately, but I want to talk quickly here about the early season because there's two big games in September for Auburn. It's the SEC opener at A&M and this game against Oregon. I, you can't afford to lose both of them if you're Gus Malzahn. No, no. Oh, if 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 he loses this game, if he and and the the game at Texas A and M is huge under any circumstances, but if he loses this game, it's gigantic, because if you're two and two and you've only beaten Tulane and Kent State, and uh uh and what you still got ahead of you, it's gonna be hard. It's gonna be hard to see a a, a way for them to lose not many games. I mean. 
if you're if you're at that point, then you say, well, you know, you may not just lose five, you may lose six. I mean, it's uh, uh, and and look, and we just tend to forget about like say Mississippi State, for instance, who has got to come here, but I mean, you better be ready to play. Uh, it's uh, I, I, it's it's a, those two games together are they're huge and they, and as you say I, it's rightly wrongly whatever they're huge for Gus's future there's no question about it and he can't lose them both yeah I man it sets yeah, the tone for the season I think if they lose to Oregon um, it gets really hot really early and it gets it gets harder for the players to focus because they're going to hear it uh, oh yeah what's going on and the coaching staff knows what's going on and they're going to start looking for jobs and you know, if you lose early in the early in the year, it just uh, it, you start out two and two. It's it's going to be hard to hold it together. Yeah, um, and you know the difficult situation with all this is you start two and two, and you got a true freshman at quarterback. It's you know you could say, hey, we got a true freshman quarterback. We're building toward the future, but then it's also like, well, you're very experienced up front on both sides of the ball, and you're unable to win these games. How much better can it get this right. season? And how much better could it even get next season when you lose all those pieces? So and we're going to learn the, a lot the, about the, the program the, in the first month. The call for it won't take much for people to start wanting, wanting to see Joey Gatewood out there either. I mean, and that's yeah, exactly that's just the way it is when you got a, a race that was perceived at least to be close, and uh, and a just a you know you, you watch Joey Gatewood out there, and he's such an impressive athlete that uh, that. Uh, People want to see that, and if, if if Bo struggles and and for you know continue to struggle, then that's going to become an issue. And uh, uh, but I agree, it's good. You know, even if they just lose to Oregon, the no the noise is going to get loud. And uh, and then if they lose to Texas A&M, then it's going to be deafening. And uh, uh, and that's when I think Ronnie's right. It gets hard for everybody. It gets hard for coaches to focus. Hard for players to focus. And uh, and and even Gus at that point would be under such in, an intense amount of pressure. Uh, it'd be tough. Now, personally, if if uh, I was told that you haven't done good, so here's your twenty twenty five million dollars, you got to leave. <laughs> I'd be okay with that. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> But I don't guess they think I would that be way. too. <laughs> do you think? All right, this is completely unrelated. We need to end the podcast. But do you think Gus Malzahn would trade twenty five million dollars to win a national championship? Yes, I do. Yeah, because he's already got. You know, he's. It's not like he doesn't have any money. Okay, and that's his. I think that is his life's mission mm-hmm. is to do that. And I think, I think that. That championship game against Oregon is one that, you know, he's talked. He used to talk a lot about the, the, the high school championship game that he came up short in and how it stuck with him. And I think, I mean, to be that close and uh, and not get it done. And uh, yeah, I do think he would. I, I could be wrong, but I, I well, here's the here here would be the problem. He would, but I'm not sure Christie would. <laughs> that, that would be the issue. <laughs> you don't think that you think there'd be a problem? You just walk into the house someday with hey, Christie. I know we won that national championship. Things are great, but 
I made a I made a deal. With the <laughs> we got to sell the lake house. <laughs> I think oh, he, I think I think he'd do it too. I think he would. Um, I think a lot of coaches would even. Well, yeah. I mean, it just depends on their personality and everything. But you know, at some point, rich is rich. You know. You're, yeah, you're, I mean, it, that's, it, I would think it would seem to me it would be that way. Yeah, uh, I, I don't know, but it would, yeah. but yeah. it was, it would seem like it would. That, uh, I mean, he, how many millions of dollars has he already made at Auburn? A lot. Enough. So, yeah. Yeah, more more than he's ever going to spend. Well, more that's than he's the ever thing. Going to spend, and, and more than I his almost, family is ever going to spend. Yeah, I can almost guarantee you, he probably has no idea how much money's in his bank account. He probably doesn't. Zero idea. Christy's just like, here's your lunch money for the that's day. Right, that's right. <laughs> Actually, no. She's like, I'll get your lunch. I will buy the lunch. I'm not going to let you uh, use the debit card. Um, <laughs> okay. All right. Final thoughts, guys. I know, uh, Philip, you're still working on your prediction. but And Ronnie, I don't know where you are with it. I've picked an Oregon win at 28-21, but I, like, I can see it going either way. I'm just... My whole thing is true freshman quarterback and Justin Herbert. Um, that's kind of what's made the difference in my mind. But I could easily see that get flipped because, as you've said, Philip, and from talking to people around here, Auburn feels really confident. And to be quite honest, Auburn's the more talented team across the board. But, man, that quarterback position is so important. So, anyway, Philip, final thoughts on this game going in and then to you, Ronnie. I think the game is decided on the line of scrimmage. And – because that will obviously affect how both quarterbacks play. And, uh, and I think Auburn has an advantage. I think, and this is just based on, it's not just, just conjecture, I don't think, that uh, I think Auburn's offensive line is going to uh, is going to be a lot different than people think it's going to be. I think Auburn's offensive line is going to be really good, and I think they will have an advantage in this game. And the defensive line ought to, at the very least, have a standoff. So I'll probably pick Auburn. Is that is that waffling enough for you? <laughs> well, I, I picked Oregon, but barely. And um, I just think the quarterback is is the difference. But I, I could see the game going either way. Um, you know, I, I just think that having a true freshman start in a game of that magnitude is is just it's, it's a heavy burden to bear. And then you've got a senior going against a senior quarterback, a Heisman Trophy winner, and Justin Herbert. Um, I picked Oregon, but 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 barely. It wouldn't shock me if Auburn won the game. Yeah, a lot of people say you're an Oregon fan. Is that true? <laughs> I won both. I won both. <laughs> I did hear a duck call in the background while I was. <laughs> I get I get accused of the opposite on the Oregon board. So. <laughs> well, I'll say this: uh, Imagine if Auburn wins, and they do so because of Bo Nix. Um, Man, that'll be a huge, gigantic story. And man, will fans be excited. So that's what yeah. makes college football great, guys. You never know. Oh yeah, they will. They will be convinced that he's uh, that he's never going to uh, have a bad game ever in his whole life. They'll be like, man, this guy's the next Jeremy Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> Poor guy, man. And then they'll have to go to overtime to beat Tulane. Yes. Oh goodness <laughs> gracious! Don't bring up that. Oh my gosh, Philip, we will not be sleeping if that happens. Oh, oh, my man, I, I, that's uh, not that's. Don't do that. Uh, 
<laughs> no, I, I'll tell you that the, the, uh, the, the, I guess it was Jeremy's second game as a starter of the, the, that Jacksonville state game in 2015. I was sitting there after, after rock Thomas fumbled and it looked yes. like Jacksonville state was going to win. I, I thought I stood there on the sideline thinking there's no Auburn coach that can survive this. I don't, there's just no way. Yeah. And, uh, and I don't think he would have survived it. No. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah, I'll stand up. Not too. only to an FCS team, but an FCS team in your state. Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't think you'll see Jacksonville state on the schedule again anytime soon. Yeah. I wouldn't think so. By the way, if you guys <laughs> seen their, uh, highlight video hype video for the season, Jacksonville state. Uh-uh. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's weird. Go look for it after we get off. <laughs> it's very, very weird. Lots of goop and liquid stripping off of people. It's very strange. Anyway. All right. All right, guys. All right, guys. Thanks for joining us on the Auburn Undercover Podcast. Much more coverage at Auburn.247sports.com. We'll see you down the road. No one has it covered like 24-7 sports. Go undercover with Auburn Undercover. Auburn Undercover.